I'd like to say good morning to the class. My name is Lauren Lewis and I will be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture given by the members of the Southfield Michigan class. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California. Excuse me. I'm sorry, I apologize. <clears throat> we hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield class was established in 1997. At this time, I would like to introduce to you the Dean of the Southfield class, Dr. Marvin Lewis, the president, Dr. Edward Yule, the Vice President, Dr. Ronald Atkins, and the Superintendent, Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and are not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that have produced the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Heavenly Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. 
we have Yahweh and his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. That is, having the shape and form of a man, but the without flesh and blood, excuse me. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, the self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and this title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and the court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional objectives and or, in, excuse me, and or aims are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood, of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man, Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived 
by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time, excuse me. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, excuse me, there is no other day given among men whereby man can be saved, <clears throat> saving the name of Yahshua, the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword, peace, slogan, speak the truth. I'd like to say good morning to the class. And at this time, we'd like to start off by dedication and prayer. <clears throat> by Dr. April Lewis, followed by scripture reading, Psalms, the 107 division, read by Dr. Felicia Hamilton. Dr. Lewis. Good morning, class. Let us bow our hearts and our minds for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we wanna thank you for allowing us to be present this morning. We ask that you take all of the cares of this world away so we can focus on you for these two hours. Please allow something to be said that will uh, help us to learn you and understand you better as you really are and as you actually exist. We thank you for your love and your, your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Yahshua. We ask that you continue to be with us and guide us in everything that we do. We love you and we thank you and we ask all of these things in your son, Yahshua, the Messiah's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Beautiful. I'd like to say good morning to everyone. And our scripture for today's session will be Psalms, the 107th division. Oh, give thanks unto Yahweh, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of Yahweh say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in, this, in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto Yahweh in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise Yahweh for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of Yahweh and, cont and contain contemned the counsel of the Most High, excuse me. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto Yahweh in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness, the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. 
Oh, that men would praise Yahweh for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of man. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they, drew, they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cried unto Yahweh in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise Yahweh for his goodness and for his wonderful works of the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of Yahweh and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raveth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto Yahweh in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the ways thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise Yahweh for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers unto a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land unto bearishness for wickedness of them that dwelleth therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffers not that their cattle to decrease. Again, they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt unto princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness, where there is no way. Yet seeth he the poor on high from affliction, excuse me, yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of Yahweh. I have read the 107th division of Psalms. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis and Dr. Atkins for the prayer and for the scripture lesson. I'd like to once again say good morning to the class and welcome and thank all of our visitors and brethren for joining with us today. Our scripture readers for this morning's class will be Dr. April Lewis and Dr. Shirley Nelson. 
And at this time, it's an honor and a pleasure to call on our first speaker, Dr. Sharon Lewis. Dr. Lewis. I would like to say good morning to the class. And uh, it's good to be here this morning and to give testimony to our savior, Yahshua the Messiah. And um, I'm grateful. I'm very thankful to be here and to have anything to say um, regarding this great teaching. Uh, let me have the first part of that scripture reading again. Um, what was it? Um, Psalms 107. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. You got it, April? Yes, I do. I'm sorry about that. Um, that's Psalms. Um, I'm sorry. Psalms 107. Excuse me. Uh-huh. That's Psalms 107. <laughs> Give thanks unto Yahweh. For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeem of Yahweh say so. Now, I like that. I'm sorry, Dr. Lewis. I, I really like that scripture. Mm -hmm. Oh, give thanks unto Yahweh, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeem of Yahweh say so. I think it's so beautiful because Yahweh has given us something to be grateful and thankful for. And uh, I am just especially thankful today because I'm still here and uh, I'm still able to praise Yahweh and through his son, Yahshua. So this um, is just a wonderful time right now to know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. Um, I welcome everyone that's out there on Zoom, you know, who's hearing this maybe for the first time or the first few times. Those of us who have been around for quite some time and returning, who Yahweh has kept us steadfast and in this light and in this teaching, I'm so grateful for that because he didn't have to do that, but he did choose us from the foundation of the world. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. This teaching has been in existence since 1931. And the founder of this school, Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley, had a divine vision from the creator himself in 1931 in Springfield, Ohio. And Yahweh spoke to him and showed him a truth about himself, gave him an understanding. Not only did he just see the vision in pictorial form in his heart and in his mind taken up to the third heaven but he also received a divine revelation to the things that he's seen in other words it was made known or an understanding was given to the things that he received this is not a product of his own interpretation his own mind his own suspicions or concepts this has nothing to do with a man. And that's what we come to understand. Yahweh has used vessels all through the history of time, but it has nothing to do with that man's concept. Just like the birth of Yahshua Messiah had nothing to do with Joseph's seed and Mary's, Miriam's egg. 
see, had nothing to do whatsoever with any man at all. And we're just grateful for that. And so since 1931 to this present day, 2021, it's been 90 years that this teaching has stood the test of time. Cannot refute it. Many people have tried. Cannot dispute, disprove it. Many people have tried. But once Yahweh has shown a vessel something about himself, you just get on board and we find ourselves being captivated against our own will. And we're so grateful that we are, as Paul states, I'm a prisoner of Yahshua the Messiah. And that's what we all say. We, we get a case of I can't help it now. Those who have been around, if Yahweh showed you anything, you, you cannot um, compromise the truth. You can't, you're, you're held against your own. You know, the truth is the truth. And so these things are just you know, really something to understand and to see at this time. Dr. Kinley himself preached this gospel for 45 years. You know, he passed or took it off, off the flesh in 1976. So from 1931 to 1976, that was 45 years that he preached unwaveredly. And he preached the same thing. He never changed his story. And what he has told us is that there's only one savior. And he talked about Yahweh always. And he proved Yahweh and disproved man, you know, throughout his teaching. He never took any credit for himself. He gave all the glory to Yahweh. And so we can only do what we were taught. Those of us that are the truth seekers those who Yahweh has given a knowledge and understanding to, um, he has just given us the truth. And that's what we're going to stand by. We're not going to worship a man. We're not going to give the credit to anyone else. There's a lot of things going on in this world and in this school, you know, and Yahweh has always let that be known through his son, that these things must transpire. You see, but we have a surefire way of understanding and coming into a knowledge of Yahweh. It's the self-same thing that has always been. Uh, let me have um, Isaiah 8 and 20. And I'm just going to go through some, lay some basic foundations. But just to, to stay once again, reiterate that I am just so grateful, so very thankful to the things that I have been taught and the things that I understand you know, um, because this is a, a magnificent, magnificent teaching. Um, so let me have that scripture, please. That's Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay, let's stop there. Just some basic foundation to the law. And we understand now the law is the first five books of your Bible, you know? So this is the prophet Isaiah stating that to the law and to the testimony, the testimony is the next 34 books. So as this chart indicates, the law is from Genesis to Deuteronomy, five books. The testimony is from Joshua to Malachi. 
what we call the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, the New Testament wasn't written at this time or at the time that the Messiah himself walked on the face of the earth. So it's saying to the law and to the testimony, if they, and we were told, they is anyone who's telling you anything about the scriptures. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light. And we always included on that or understanding, you know, that light bulb going off is the pictorial illustration of, oh, I see, or I understand then there's no light in them. So it's very important to go the prescribed way that the creator has uh, informed, you know, and instructed to do. Continue reading, please. And they shall pass through it hardly pressed and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their Elohim and look upward. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word. So it's essential to go back to those things that we were instructed to do at the beginning. And I don't have, you know, you know, I always say it's nothing new um, to talk. It, it's so much to this teaching. I mean, we can't exhaust it, but I just wanna be obedient and just go back to, um, so some of the things that are listed in the scripture, and I want to go back to, um, to Moses, actually, if you can get for me in uh, Exodus, um, what is it, the third chapter, when, um, at Moses' birth, if you can get that for me, please. Mm -hmm. That's Exodus 2 mm -hmm. 1. Mm -hmm. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took, and took wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. Mm -hmm. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. Mm -hmm. And when she could not longer hide him, she took him, I'm sorry, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to find out what will be done, done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her, hand, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy wept. Okay, now this is the story of Moses coming up. And as she read just now, Moses was born Excuse me one second. Moses was born and it was a death decree when he was born. So his mother had to um, hide him. And so Moses is hid, you know, um, for three months. When she can no longer hide him, then she puts him in a basket, if you would, by the river's brink. And Pharaoh's daughter sees this child floating on the river and she retrieves the child. And she raises Moses up as her own child. Moses knew that he was a Hebrew because of his circumcision, you see. And, but he's raised in the household of Pharaoh until he is grown. And one day he goes to uh, visit his, the, the, his brethren, 
the Hebrew and an Egyptian and a Hebrew is fighting. Moses intercedes and kills the Egyptian, the one that did the wrong and hit him in the sand. The next day, Moses goes out and uh, one of the Egyptians says, are you gonna kill me like you kill the Egyptian before, the day before? Moses knowing, I'm cutting it up real short, Moses knows that this thing that transpired is known, so he flees, you see? And he's out on, um, he leaves Egypt from that time, you know, and he sees, um, he ends up going and meeting Jephro Ruel's daughter, marrying her, her and whatnot. And uh, Moses is, tending Jephro Ruel, his father-in-law's sheep for some 40 years. So at the time that Moses killed the Egyptian and fled, he was 40 years old. He wasn't a, a young man. So he goes out, he leaves there, Egypt, goes out into the wilderness. He's living, you know, under Jephro Ruel, marries, have children, and another 40 years transpires. So Moses is now 80 years old at this point in time. And he's an old man or what we would consider today as an older man, you see. And he is doing something. Now, mind you, he was uh, living in Pharaoh's household. So he was of an esteemed um, character, if you would. He, he had money and prestige and whatnot. And the next thing you know, he is tending sheep. So what Yahweh did is that he took those things that was physical, if you would, physical prestige, physical esteem, and he took that away from him and put him out as a shepherd, gave him a rod. And, you know, he's a shepherd now tending sheep. And for 40 years, he did this. And it's so interesting when we really think about it, because we don't know what stage and phase our lives even go through, you know, but Yahweh has it all purposed and he has a plan for each and every one. And the thing is, is that it's going to be um, his plan and his purpose will be uh, completed or fulfilled. His word will go forth. It won't return void. So whatever it is that he has planned and purposed is going to take place. So Moses is doing now the work of Yahweh. He's going according, his entire life has gone according to Yahweh's dictate. He was set up from the very beginning, you see. And so now Moses, um, one day on the backside, well, let me just say this one part, he's tending sheep for 40 years, which is a prefigure because what Yahweh had purposed for Moses to do was to deliver his people out of the land of Egypt or out of bondage, which the children of Israel have been in bondage some 400, 430 years. Now we say 400 to 430 years because the way that I it was explained to me why the scripture says that. And if anybody knows where it is, you can find it. In the Bible, it talks one account is 400 years and the other is 430 years. And then looking at that from the standpoint that 400 years, the children of Israel was down in Egypt. And then there's a scripture that talks about a young man named who the world calls Joshua, but we understand and know that to be revealed through by this divine vision, that it was indeed 
Yahshua that appeared down there. See, Yahshua the Messiah who hung on the cross had appeared in the flesh before. And so these are things that we didn't know that was revealed through by this vision. So when he appeared, a man about 30 years, he was down there for that length of time, appearing at 400 years. You see what I'm saying? And he was down there at that time. So it was 400, 430 years that they actually was coming up out of the land of Egypt, you see? And so that's how that went. That's how I understood that, if you would. Um, I think they had the scripture, Genesis, the 13th chapter, about that 400 years. But nevertheless, so one day on the backside of Mount Sinai, Moses was called to partake a divine vision at the burning bush. If you can get that for me in Exodus, the... Um, That's Exodus 3 and 1. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Now Moses kept the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of Elohim, even to Horeb. And the angel of Yahweh appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now Moses is partaking a, of a vision. And we were told and made to understand that if anyone was standing next to Moses, they would not have necessarily have seen what Moses saw unless Yahweh wanted them to see that vision. But in the confounds of his own confines of his own mind, Moses was partaking a vision. That is seeing something with the understanding of your mind. You know, we see vision with our eyes, you see it in your mind. In other words, I see, or you understand something. So Moses being, is, is, is being privy to a vision from the creator himself. Now he's seeing this, this bush burning, but the bush is not being consumed. So Moses is asking a very good question at this point. Go ahead and read. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. A very good question. Let me turn aside and see. And at this point was where we always was made to understand. We had to turn aside our concepts, our opinions, our ideal of why this bush is not burning. We see something, but we don't understand it. So let's turn aside the concept, our ideals, our imagination. It's the self-same thing when we come into this teaching and we hear it for the first time. We have preconceived thoughts about religion, our affiliation with the different churches, how we were raised in our own household, how we believe in the creator, what his name was. We had a whole gamut of um, ideals and imaginations that was not really any uh, validity to it. We took the name Jesus, for instance. We didn't do any research on it. We didn't know that there was never a J until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death, so that his name could not be Jesus. 
we didn't know that we didn't have to do all of the physical works that are done in the church today. We were just doing those things because we were raised up in it from our parents or whoever raised us and told us and, and introduced a particular religion to us. But we really didn't know. And when we came into this teaching for the first time, we were told, just take all of your thoughts and lay them aside for a while. Just look at what is being presented to you. And this is what Moses is doing. He's asking, he's seeing something he can't understand. And he's saying, I will now turn aside to see, meaning that he's not turning his head away from the bush, but he's turning his concept and his thought process about why this bush is burning and not being consumed. Go ahead and read. And when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see. Stop. I'm sorry. I'm going to be interrupting you. Now, when Yahweh saw that Moses turned aside to see, what did Yahweh do? Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Okay. So, so what we see out of this is that we come into this teaching, we hear things for the first time that we may not have understood in our previous affiliation, but now we're going to turn aside those thoughts of what we thought God was all about, what we thought the way to worship him was all about. Now, when Yahweh saw that, because you, what we're after now is the truth, the truth seekers. When he saw that, then it says, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush. And Elohim said, Moses, Moses. So my point here is that Yahweh Elohim called him by name. This is the self-same thing that we can see within our own physical lives. Yahweh Elohim called each one of us by name to introduce us, us to him as he did with Moses. I just think the story is so pretty and so very much relatable because we can see it in our own physical lives. So he called us by name. He came to us by way of a relative or a friend. He introduced himself to us as did Moses. So continue with the story. And when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, Elohim called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now through my this divine vision, Yahweh instructed us of what, what this was all about. He says the place that he's standing is holy, holy ground. And we had no concept, no idea as to why that was holy. Well, we understand that that physical ground that Moses was standing on was going according to a divine pattern. The fact that what made it holy was the presence of Yahweh. But this whole process coming up out of Egypt, if you look at the chart, if you, if you uh, span out so you can see the bottom part of the chart, remember he was in Egypt 
Then he had to come up out and he had to dwell in the wilderness for some time that Egypt is going, this whole migratory uh, on this chart here, we call it the migratory pattern is going according to a pattern. You know, Egypt is likened to the court roundabout on the migratory pattern, as you can see there. The wilderness of Sinai, where Moses was at, at the burning bush, is the holy place. And then crossing over the River Jordan, the most holy place. Now, if you can switch right to the tabernacle pattern for a moment, and we can look at it at the bigger picture of the tabernacle pattern. And then we can see what I just described, that court roundabout area of the, of the tabernacle pattern is down here where it says court roundabout, which is this structure of this tabernacle, which Moses was told to build in the mount, is a three, <clears throat> three in one structure, excuse me. <clears throat> it had a most holy place, a holy place and court roundabout. Again, looking at it, this court roundabout is likened into Egypt. The holy place is likened into the wilderness. And the most holy place is likened into uh, Canaan land, which was their destination. Canaan land is likened into heaven. So it's going according, this migratory track that Moses is making and taking is going according to this threefold tabernacle pattern, which was shown to Moses in the mount and instructed by Yahweh to build in the wilderness. So it's just a whole lot. We can't, you know, I can't, I know I can't go through all of it right now, but that's why it's so important. It's, this teaching is, is, is it's just, is, I'm trying, you can't even really find the word. It's inexhausting. You're not going to exhaust it or complete it. In other words, you, it's going to always be something to learn. It's infinite because it's talking about Yahweh. It's so much. And we understand that we will be learning in ages to come. So if you would just go back to the Moses chart, please. So that's why that is the holy place. It's going according to the tabernacle pattern where Yahweh said, Moses, the place that they take off the shoes from off their feet so for the place you stand is holy ground. That's why that's called holy ground. It's going according to the tabernacle pattern and also because he's in the presence of Yahweh. That makes it holy. Okay, so continue reading. Sixth verse, moreover, he said, I am the Elohim of thy father, the Elohim of Abraham, excuse me, of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. And pause. Pause for a moment. I'm sorry, Dr. Nelson. Here again, as I told you, what Yahweh is doing for each and every last one of us, he's introducing himself to us, yes, just yes. as he was introducing himself to Moses. And so we... You know, a lot of times you don't really think of it that way, but that's naturally so what we do for the first time meeting someone. So when we're coming into this teaching for the first time, you're being introduced to the true creator of heaven and earth. His name is Yahweh. His divine title is Elohim. And the name that he came in manifested in a physical body 
is Joshua. The name Yahweh always has been and always will be. We translate it in the world, not translate it, but we use instead of the name Yahweh, we use titles Lord and God, Buddha, Adonai, whatever. We're using titles. Yahweh has a name. And this is what we're talking about right now that she's reading in Exodus. He's being introduced and he's going to give Moses his name. Just as when we come into this teaching for the first time, he gives us his name. And many of us said, many of us have said, I never heard of that. I never knew that. So he's introducing himself. You see, the divine title Elohim is commonly referred to as God. You know, but this was the title that the creator Yahweh gave to himself. Mm -hmm. And his title represented, let me go back to Yahweh first, because this was uh, when the last class that I was in, I think I was visiting Lance, and it was brought out so pretty to me because uh, it was like, I never really thought of it. Yahweh, you know, um, you know, he placed his name. His name was above every name. And those apostles, disciples, those people, prophets in the Bible and whatnot, he had his name in them. He had uh, Jeremiah, and when we think of that, Obadiah, he said, well, why does all of those prophets in those Bible, why do they have a portion of Yahweh's name? You see, this was the creator. We never thought of it when we were in church saying, Lord God and Jesus Christ. Why is all the prophets, many of them, Obadiah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, you're saying it's spelled different, but you're saying Yah. Why is it Ezekiel, Elohim being the title that Yahweh gave himself? You know, Joel, why are all of these prophets having some portion of the creator's name and title? Right. See, that to me was just proof positive that Yahweh did this, you know, as his children, you know, all the family comes in the same name. Everybody in my immediate family, his name is Lewis. And then my sons, Mary, they're going to give their wives their name. So everyone kind of have the same name, if you will. So this is the, an example of that. And then also Elohim being the divine title the creator chose for himself. This is when the children of Israel was out in the wilderness. They had different banners. One of the banners was uh, an eagle. That's that E. Another banner was a lion. That's that L. Another banner was an ox. That's the O. And another banner was a man. That's him. So Yahweh was showing forth his name, his title, through everything that he did. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? It's just so easy to understand. It seemed like it was so confusing to hear it for the first time, but it's just proof positive that Yahweh is the true name of the creator, you see. And then the name Yahshua, 
that name Yahshua was, I come in my father's name and you receive me not. Let another come in his own name, Jesus, and so forth and so on. Anything that we want to call him, then him you will receive. But he took on a portion. The masculine portion of the father name is Yah. The feminine portion is Way. Shua in Hebrew means salvation, savior. So he came in his father's name. So he is being Moses, being the he, is being completely introduced. And you see it right there. So a lot of times people will also say, well, those are Hebrew names. Those are Hebrews characters next to the name. But those are English letters. It's an English. It's a, it came, uh, the genealogy or the, it came from the Hebrew lineage. But those are English words, Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, the Messiah, these three being one. So Moses was out in the wilderness after 40 years of tending sheep, and Yahweh was introducing him to himself. Continue reading. Moreover, he said, I am the Elohim of thy father, the Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac, and the Elohim of Jacob. And Moses hid his face where he was afraid to look upon Elohim. He was in the presence of the all-powerful Yahweh Elohim. And Moses hid his face and the booming voice. And yeah. even when you read, I had suggested one of our new, newer members to read the panoramic vision, read about what Dr. Kenley, his experience of climbing or being elevated and feeling the presence of Moses and the presence of John and how they felt the presence, the immense, uh, um, uh, the immense feeling that they felt of the coming approaching of the great Elohim. And he talked about how he was in, um, his whole body was like in insensibility. I can't recall all of it, but the, the description of that experience is awesome to me. And I encourage her to read his experience because you can see that now when it says that Moses hid his face, but he was afraid to look upon Elohim. You're in the presence of the all magnificent, powerful Elohim, the creator of heaven and earth. And it does, we find ourselves you can just vibrate with insensibility is one of the words Dr. Kenley used, but it was just unbelievable. And she's showing the backside of this Elohim book here when it says panoramic vision of Elohim to Moses in 1490 BY. Moses is laying his body out on the ground and he felt this great Yahweh Elohim approaching him. He was in the place and time he said as, as, um, Dr. Kenley was in the place and time as Moses was on the, on the mountain. John was on the Isle of Patmos. And you, you have that vision, that book, um, uh, Introduction to the Vision and Revelation. So it, it's just, you know, it's so much. This is so beautiful. If you want to go to that one part. Um, okay. Okay. Exactly. I see. Where were you were saying it? Mm -hmm. I was talking about when he felt the approachness of Yahweh, okay, uh, that part. Uh, mm -hmm. This this pamphlet is so beautiful. I, it's just so awesome to read it. If you if you have not read it, then take a time, take a moment, and go ahead and read it. Um, 
Uh-huh. If you do read from some of it today, you probably just want to start at the beginning because, uh, well, not the beginning, beginning, but um, right here where he says, while I, in my meditation, mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. probably start there. Yeah. Okay, go ahead and let's read some of it quickly. Uh, readers? While in my meditation, I felt myself drifting away into a sleep, which was not sleep. This is the panoramic um, vision. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I lost consciousness of my room, my bed, even my body. Yet I was not unconscious. The sensation of having my mind turned backward and inward persisted until I was no longer in possession of any earthly knowledge. I knew that I existed. And that was all. I did not exist in relation to anything I could Mm. recognize. All I could recognize was me. This was that part of me which was created in the image and likeness of Elohim. It was to that me that the creator spoke. Stop right there. And we come to understand through the explanation from Dr. Kenley, that that me that he talked, that is the soul part of you. That is what Yahweh is calling back. That's what he's taking back. He's the possessor and ownership of souls. So he can do nothing with the physical body. That was nothing. And it goes on to say that. But Yahweh is talking and speaking directly to that soul. Go ahead and read. He could do nothing with the egotistical, misdirected personality, which had evolved from the many misconstrued concepts as a creature of earthly flesh. Mm -hmm. The dizzy backward journey from the realm of time as I knew it into the eternity of pre-creation was exhausting. Yet, yet there was no fear. There was no me to be afraid. I had become absorbed into the universe. (laughs) I was was spoken to while I was in this state. I say spoken to, yet there was no impact of sound waves upon my ears and there were no words used. The speech did not come from somewhere else. It seemed to originate from within me. And so it did. For I was now one with the universe. It was will that I should know a certain fact and instantly I knew it. Yahweh Elohim willed it. And as he willed, so the entire universe with me as a part of it reacted. I knew I was being transported somewhere, yet there was no sensation of motion. For the moment, I was universal and motion is physical. It occupies time and takes place in space, both of which are of this earth. It was being willed that I should be at a point in the past where a revelation was to be made to me. And I was responding to that divine will. I was there. I was there at a time in history just before Moses entered the cloud which surrounded the top of Mount Sinai. I was not in the cloud nor on the mountain, neither was I suspended in space above them. I was a part of the universe of which these were but the visible counterparts. I watched the children of Israel approach the foot of the mountain. 
I felt rather than saw Moses and the 70 elders enter the mountain. For it was as if they were treading upon a part of me. The beating of their feet disturbed my vibration and I knew I was being visited by mortals of a lower realm. Then the heavy tread of the multitude ceased and a lesser one, Moses, continued to approach. I could sense the nearness of a soul which was soon to become pure intelligence with me, moving onward toward its perfection. I knew the 70 old man had stopped while Moses, Aaron, Nadab and Abihu continued. Finally, only the one most advanced soul entered into the cloud, which was the connecting link between spirit and matter. Too dense to be spirit and too, too ethereal to be pure matter. The cloud became the meeting place between the soul of a mortal man and the eternal soul. Still, my sense of vibratory balance was disturbed. I was spirit and man was invading my domain. But soon he was to become one with me in the spirit. And together we could approach Yahweh Elohim. I could feel the man Moses being commanded to lie down upon the ground, place his earthly body upon the earth. I can't see that part. <laughs> place his earthly body upon the earth of which it was part and where I had left mine. Once more, I could feel the pulling into space, through space into time, through time into eternity as a part of Moses which was made in the image and likeness of Elohim, separated from its physical counterpart. Once more, my balance was restored from spirit, for spirit communed with spirit. It was as though I was reliving my life in the age of Moses. I could see the prayers I had been, I'm sorry, I could see the prayers I had prayed being unfolded and flashed on the screen of cosmic consciousness at the time, as were Moses' pleading for the Israelites. These blended into a symphony of universal desire, which was to be fulfilled before we returned to the shackles of mortal limitation. Yet, our return would hold forth a promise given only to those whose spiritual eyes had been opened. He and I became one in the universe and awaited the pleasure of the Elohim of creation. As one senses the approach of a source of tremendous power, so all around us become as one gigantic electric charge. It was flowing through us and emanating from us, for we were one with it. It was universal and we were a part of the universe. We and our surroundings had been radiant with light. But now we began to dim. There was no need to see. We could sense with greater clarity and the source of power came nearer. Greater and greater it became until we were vibrating with such frequency as to approach insensibility. Mm. After all, we were not Yahweh Elohim. 
It was a provision of his superior wisdom that no man was permitted to see his face. Mm. Our surroundings changed from dimness to darkness and then to the blackness of interstellar space where darkness become, became, I'm sorry, becomes an impenetrable solid. When, how, there was no when, there is no how in eternity. Wow. It was willed, so it, and I'm sorry, it, and it was willed, so it is, so is it, excuse me, as if to further reduce himself to our limitations, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh Elohim did not present himself as the great source of power we felt him to be. Our, ours were not spirit minds. They were, but human minds freed from physical bodies for the moment and functioning on a spiritual plane. The human mind cannot accept that which it cannot conceive. It conceives only in comparison with something else it can and has conceived in the past. We had seen men, we were men with limited capabilities capacities. And we knew something of these limitations. Thus, Yahweh Elohim presented himself to us as a man, but with unlimited capacities. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. I, do, I couldn't be, I couldn't even interrupt that because nobody can say it better. It was absolutely a beautiful explanation or description of his experience, Dr. Henry C. Kenley, having this divine vision right. and revelation from Yahweh. It's amazing. So these are the, I mean, you know, it's just awe-inspiring awe to me. You know, it's, it's no words. I can't say any words about it. This is the greatest teaching ever. Dr. Kenley said that in one of the transcripts we was recently reading. He said, this is the greatest thing you will ever hear. Now, for a physical man, they probably don't think so. I've heard greater. There's some smart people out here. No, this is the greatest thing. So this introduction was made to us. He was called out of the world, and he gave us an introduction to himself. So this is what's happening here on this mount in 1490 pretty much when Moses was out here on the backside of the mountain. And you can just get to his name and then I'm going to yield the floor. But I just wanted to give something. I'm glad you brought that, you know, made me think of when Moses was standing there and saying he hid his face for he was afraid to look upon Elohim. You see that we're in the presence of this great, great Yahweh Elohim. He is with us. He is alive and well. And he is giving us glimpse of his ever presence, the omnipotence of himself, his makeup. This is what we're experiencing more and more as time goes on. And as we move closer to the close of this physical age, Yahweh is just expressing himself. Uh, as you've heard him say before in this class, going bankrupt if you would, expelling himself, the knowledge of him to his sons. 
This is what we're experiencing now. So just continue reading that one section, please, Dr. Nelson. That is the uh, seventh verse, mm -hmm. Exodus 3 and 7. And Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Pause. Okay, now this was the promise of Yahweh. He said, told Abraham, your seed has to go down and be in bondage to a land and a people that they know not of. That's what he told them. And he said, but I will deliver them with the mighty hand. The 400 years expired, took place. You know, and a lot of times, even when we think about that, we may have a trial. We ourselves may have to endure something. And none of us have endured anything for 400 years, you know, personally. So, you know, these people have endured that. Our timing with Yahweh is not ours. So they had to endure that. But one of the things that we come to understand about any situation we may be faced with and may find ourselves in, Yahweh will resurrect you out of it. You know, and he made a promise with the children of Israel to do that. So they were promised years before that he was going to deliver them. So he raised up Moses from a little infant you know, doing a death decree whose mother had to hide him. He has set Moses up from the very beginning. He says his mother looked upon him and he was a goodly child. In other words, Moses had the Holy Spirit or that spirit of Yahweh right from the very beginning. Yahweh was going to raise him up just like he did. Yahshua Messiah came through an infant. It's just amazing and grew up in the household of Pharaoh, and so on and so forth. I see your five minutes, you see? And so therefore, he's got him set up from the very beginning. And this is where Moses is at right now. This, he was the promised deliverer, which is a type of Yahshua the Messiah. See, that's all Moses is. Yahshua, Moses was tending Jephro Ruel's sheep, Yahshua the Messiah comes in and say, my sheep will hear my voice, and he's going to tend to his sheep. You see, the self-same type of thing, Moses is just a type of the Messiah. So he's out here now. Continue reading. Mm -hmm. Eighth verse. And I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians, right. and to bring them out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Pezzerites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress mm -hmm. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children That's of right. Israel, out of mm -hmm. Read. And Moses said unto Elohim, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel? And Moses had to ask that question. Who am I? I can't even speak. Mm -hmm. Yahweh will use who he will to use. Continue reading. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be thy token, a token unto thee that, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve Elohim upon this mountain. Read. And Moses said unto Elohim, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, 
and shall say unto them, the Elohim of your fathers have sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now Moses asked a question many of us never even thought of asking. What is God's name? You know, we call him by title, Lord, God. What is your name? And this is where he gives Moses his name. Now, in some Bibles, in most Bibles, they remove that name, Yahweh, and they say the Lord God. There's a name that was there. So many people don't understand that. There was a name. Your Bible had been tampered and translated, you know, mistranslated, say. But there was a name, and this is where he gave his name. Go ahead and read, Dr. Nelson. 14 verse. And Elohim said unto Moses, Aya, Asher, Aya. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I will be, have sent me unto you. Mm -hmm. He gave them his description first. Read. And Elohim said, Moreover unto Moses, mm -hmm. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, mm -hmm. Yahweh, the Elohim of your fathers. Yahweh is the Elohim of your fathers. Read. The Elohim of Abraham. Abraham. The Elohim of Isaac mm -hmm. and the Elohim of Jacob have mm -hmm. sent me unto you. Mm -hmm. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. So now those of you who may be on for the first time, you got a little brief introduction to your creator. His name is Yahweh. And this is his name forever and into all generations. I hope someone got something out of the brief testimony that I had this morning. Didn't have a lot of things on my mind, but just a declaration of what Yahweh has already showed me and that I'm standing on it and standing by it and it's in me and I have no desire for it to change. I am satisfied knowing my creator and his son, Yahshua the Messiah, the only savior, that he sent or came himself to deliver us all out of bondage. He is our only hope and Yahshua in us is our only hope. So I hope you got something out of this. And if you did, please give all praises, all glory to Yahshua the Messiah. Do not give it to a man. Give it to Yahshua the Messiah. And with these words, I thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for that beautiful testimony. And for our next speaker, it's an honor and pleasure to call on from the Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Nelson. Hello, everyone. I'm always happy to have anything to say about this great teaching. Mm -hmm. And I thank Yahweh Elohim that he has given me an opportunity to speak his name, to understand something about this divine truth. And I'm so happy that he has allowed me to be able to testify to the things that he has given me today. I truly enjoy the previous speaker and the things and the words that has been said, because what he showed me is that this gospel shall be preached until he takes the last breath out of every last one of us that he has given the job to preach this gospel to. And it's not just up to us, but he, as we know, even in the scriptures, it says that the rocks will cry out Yahweh's name and his truth. 
And I'm just thankful today because we're in a turbulent time and we're in a time of this life in this world now as we know it, that is perilous. And that it is a time that we must have a form of foundation. And I am probably just one of many that have come to understand that Yahweh Elohim through his son, Yahshua Messiah, is our only hope and glory and our only true foundation. And we must call upon his name and his truth forevermore and throughout our entire physical life and also throughout eternity. He's given that to us. Now she told you that this is a product of a divine vision and revelation. No man claims any responsibility, so to speak, for this work. This mm. is something that Yahweh did, that Yahweh caused to be. See, and she told you that Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, and we have his name written up here on this chart that's on the screen here, but we don't worship the man. What we do is recognize the spirit that was in the man, because we know that Yahweh has just walked on down through the ages, see. This is not, that wasn't the first time. Yahweh said that he, no man take his life. He say, I lay it down and I pick it up again. So he was able to just walk on down through his ages and through his dispensation, speaking and getting into and manifesting who through whoever he choose, chose to. See, that's the creator that we know. And Dr. Kinley, he told us, he said, I had this vision, but now don't accept it because I said it, but make me proven until you are satisfied. And those of us who are sitting up under this gospel today have been satisfied with what it is that we have come to understand and we receive it in our hearts and in our minds. And as the scripture says, see, or as Joshua and Messiah has told us, see, if we will believe this, see, when we believe what it is or the report, see, then he shall give us salvation. See, when we believe that, see, when he places that spirit in us, now she told you that Dr. Kinley said he had this vision, see, and he was, and he, she was showing and illustrating how that Moses too had a divine vision. You see, you understand? See, Moses out here on the Isle of Patmos was having a vision. You see, John, I mean Moses on Mount Sinai, I'm sorry, was having a vision. John on the Isle of Patmos is having a vision, see. Dr. Kinley's vision, see, did was no different from Moses and John's vision. Moses was having that vision from the beginning of the creation till the end. John was having a vision from the end of the creation to the beginning. Dr. Kinley said his vision was like a, it was a stupendous panoramic. In other words, he saw it from all angles, all ends. See, Dr. Kinley did see, but it was not, he didn't, it didn't, it didn't conflict with Moses and John's vision, see. She told you how that he was up there in that mountain. We read that in the in the um, verses of the pamphlet about Dr. Kinley's own vision that he had been given, see. And I just want to just continue on there, see, because she talked about how that what he was what he was recognizing there on that mountain. And he talked about the approaching of that great anthropomorphic being, talking about Yahweh or Yahweh Elohim, see. So what Dr. Kinley taught us, see, he said, showed us how the Yahweh himself is spirit. And I want you to go over there and get that for me in John 4 and 24. See, and I won't be long. I feel filled today. And because of the awesomeness 
Our scripture reading today was, oh, give thanks unto Yahweh for he is good and is his mercy that endureth forever. And Yahweh is just showing me repeatedly, if it wasn't for the mercy of Yahweh, you wouldn't be. So we count on his mercy for every single thing we do say what we are being everything. We must continuously look at that. And he goes on to say in that scripture, let the redeemed of Yahweh say so. See, Yahweh has redeemed some people, somebody, mm -hmm. some soul has been redeemed. Let them say so. Mm -hmm. Paul came in, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. We must declare this gospel because there are people in this world that is in desperate need. They don't know what we know. They haven't been given what you've been given. So every opportunity that you have, share this gospel with someone. Mm -hmm. Share the divine name with someone. Don't be ashamed to say it. Don't be fearful of being ridiculed. Don't, don't care so much about my family not liking me. See, mm -hmm. if you trust in Yahshua, Yahweh will give you the strength to endure all of the infirmities, all the anguish that this flesh can give. Yahweh gives us the ability to do that, but we must be faithful and we must be true. We listen, I'm just, just going another direction for just a second. We listened to one of our uh, members of this institute the other day, he was on Zoom and that was Dr. Channer from uh, he's out of Canada. And it was a beautiful testimony. And I, I wish I had listened to it again this morning just to refresh my memory to the words he said, but I found myself recording it on my phone. And the words that came out of his mouth were so warm to me and heartfelt. And he talked about brethren, keep the faith. He said, brethren, keep the strength. Call on Yahshua, see, and don't waver. I'm paraphrasing, but don't waver. Don't lose hope. Stand firm in this gospel. We're at the end of an age when that negative spirit will come at you with everything he's got, and he'll use the weakest part. If he knows it, he'll use it. But stand firm in this gospel because the things that we have been given they are enough to allow you to maintain this firmness and strength in Yahshua the Messiah. See, he is that that is going to hold, he's that glue that will hold it together. But now just, I don't wanna like deviate too much, but I wanna share some of the things that I come to understand. Dr. Kenley said over there, he says, now Yahweh is spirit. He didn't say it, it's in the book, but mm -hmm. he's repeating what's in the book. You see what I'm saying? And as many of you know, if you've read many of Dr. Kinley's writings, he says, stay in the book. He don't want coming up with things himself. See, and that's what we do down here at the school. You know, we say it is on our chart, but I want you to go ahead and read that in John mm -hmm. 4 and 24. Four. Now, this is mm -hmm. the, what they call the Saint John. You see mm -hmm. what I'm saying? All right, over here, over here in the so-called New Testament portion of the Bible. Go ahead, mm -hmm. read. That's John 4 and 24. Yahweh is spirit. Now stop for one second. Now, if you were reading that out of the King James Bible to say God is spirit. But now the previous speaker told you that God has a name. 
And we don't, we don't miss no words about that. And we're not trying to, you know, um, uh, make somebody feel better. I don't know if we had new people on. I didn't even look at the participants in school. I usually look. I didn't even look today. We do not. But we do not. But either whether we did or not. See, it's important to understand that Yahweh has, or God, as the world knows, has a name, and his name is Yahweh. See, mm -hmm. so go ahead, finish reading. Mm -hmm. Yahweh is spirit, mm -hmm. and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And there's another scripture says that the true worshipers of Yahweh worship him in spirit and in truth. Now look, he said, now Yahweh is spirit, see? Now, Dr. Kinley took it one more because when we were in church, everybody was reading God is spirit. See, but then the question would be asked, what is spirit? You see what I'm saying? When Dr. Kinley answered that, he says, now spirit is the source. It's the substance, it's limits, it's the bounds of everything, see? In other words, you can't get outside of spirit to look back at it. You can't go beneath spirit or above spirit. Spirit is the all in all eternity itself she told you that yahweh's names he came right out of eternity was never a time that yahweh or spirit did not exist was never a time that yahweh's name wasn't yahweh it was always yahweh always existed now it takes some time to wrap your whole head around that but yahweh bring causes us he brings us up, he elevates our understanding where you can in time, you may not comprehend it all, but he lets you see how that that is the all and all. It's eternity, it's the, uh, it's the alpha, he's the omega, beginning and end of all things. See, and then he goes on further, Dr. Kinley taught us through his vision and revelation that have been given to him. See, taught how the Yahweh or spirit itself is the sum total of wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, strength. Those nine divine principle attributes, see, come together to make up Yahweh, see. And when he moved himself into, a, or that spirit, didn't take all of spirit, but when he moved as because he chose to create a creation, because he chose to make his creatures know him or to allow his creatures to know and understand him, Yahweh chose that because we come to find out that spirit, as I said, is inscrutable. So how do you scrutinize spirit? And we are just finite beings. He created the man finite with five senses and spirit wasn't one of the senses or understanding or, or discerning that wasn't one of them. We can see, smell, taste, touch and so forth, those five senses. See, but we couldn't comprehend this spirit. So Yahweh has to move from this state of existency in part because it doesn't take all of pure spirit to come into a shape and form. Why not? Because Yahweh is the all in all. He don't take, you can't take all of him and put all of him somewhere. See, it don't take, it don't work like that. It's plenty of Yahweh or pure spirit left. See, when he moved into the shape and spirit, but that part that he chose to move into that shape and spirit. Now he gave us something out there that I like to use. It was told me, and I understood this principle by saying, if you take a cup and take it down to the ocean, and if you take that cup and you dip some of the ocean water into that cup, 
all of the properties that's in that ocean, the minerals, the salt, if it's salt or whatever it is, see, is now in the cup. It's just a lesser form. So and likewise, when Yahweh sees, chooses to come, see, out in part of that pure spirit state and take on a shape and form, see, then all that was Yahweh here in pure spirit is now in this shape and form. And this shape and form is known as Yahweh Elohim. And the part that she left off in that vision pamphlet was Dr. Kinley describing this great anthropomorphic being. It's the same self-same one that was described over in John, I think you have to pick it up in the first uh, verse there. See, in the beginning was the word because that's who this is or Yahweh and pure spirit is now Yahweh Elohim in this shape and form. I need you to get that verse for me, please. John 1 and 1. Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the word mm -hmm. and the word was with Yahweh mm -hmm. and the word was Yahweh. Okay. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. Now, the beginning was the word. The word was with Yahweh. The word was Yahweh. Mm -hmm. How many words you got there? See, it's just one. Mm -hmm. It's the self-same, see. It was with Yahweh, was, was Yahweh. You see what I'm saying? The self-same one in pure spirit, now in a shape and form, see. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, read. All things were made by him. Mm -hmm. And without him was not anything made that was made. So as she read over there in that pamphlet, see, and as we teach in this, in this teaching, see, when Moses went up there on that mountain, see, and laid his body down on that earth, see, that Yahweh just didn't have no use for that body, as he said, any longer. But now he's speaking directly to the inner of that man or his soul himself, see. And Moses was caught right on up into the spirit and Yahweh just caused him to be a part of that. And that's what he was describing. I thought that was so pretty. I think I heard it <laughs> clearer today than I have in a long time. See, it's interesting, but Yahweh has his own time for many, for many things. But he called him up, see. And he saw and he described, see, this, this being Yahweh Elohim is no other than Yahweh in this shape and form. This great anthropomorphic being, see, this being right here was a spirit being, if you will, see, and Yahweh Elohim, see, then, as Dr. Kinley illustrated his vision, transfigured into this threefold tan tangible tabernacle, back into himself, as you can see, this half man, see, of Elohim, that's showing him going back into himself, and then the creation coming out by him. Do you see what I'm saying? So that therefore Yahweh Elohim, we come to understand is the archetype, which means original pattern of the universe. So all things came forth by him. And that's what John has said. All things were made by him, read. And without him was not anything made that was made. And without him was not anything made that was made, read. And him was life. Mm -hmm. And the life was the light of man. Now he said in him was life mm -hmm. and the life was the light of men. Mm -hmm. See, and we all know that it was Yahweh Elohim because remember, see the creation. If you go now and look at the days of the creation, you'll find that this, when the very beginning, Yahweh said, let there be light. See, and Yahweh didn't have to create light. When he spoke the word, see, it, he willed it to be light. 
See, Yahweh is that light. You understand, see? So when he said, let there be light, now that was before the ethereal sun was placed into the heavens on the fourth day. I'm talking about the account of Genesis. Genesis says that there was light. He said, let there be light, and there was light. But the sun that we know to be the source of all life, light that is here on the earth, didn't come about until the fourth day. You see what I'm saying? So these are the things that we've learned here in this creation. Elohim is the light. He says that Yahweh, that Yahweh Elohim was the life. In him is life. And that life was the light of man. Go ahead, read. In him was life. And mm -hmm. the life was the light of man. And the light shineth in darkness. Mm -hmm. Darkness comprehended it not. Okay, read. There was a man sent from Yahweh. His mm -hmm. name was John. Now, why don't you go down to the 14th verse? Yes, verse mm -hmm. 14. And the word was made flesh. Now, we mm -hmm. said that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Now, that self-same word now was made flesh. You see what I'm saying? Now, look, we're talking about the unity of the spirit, see? And so no matter how you want to slice this pie, the world, and we've just recently gone through a lot of that, which we do all the time when we're talking this teaching. See, want to continually say that the Yahweh is a trinity, see? But we know that he is a unity, see? That Yahweh in pure spirit is the same self-same Yahweh took on shape and form as Yahweh Elohim and then manifested in the flesh as Yahshua the Messiah. That's why the word, see, the word, Yahweh is the word, was made flesh. You see how clear that is. Read. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, mm -hmm. and we beheld his glory, mm -hmm. the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. Now, this is so beautiful, and I love your arrows, see. See, Yahweh in pure spirit, the arrows pointing to Yahweh Elohim, and then down to Yahshua the Messiah. See, these three are one. Now we know that and understand that by that tabernacle uh, uh, pattern. And I want to go to that, but I want you to continue to read. I forgot exactly where it's at there, where it talks about, um, go ahead, finish reading. Mm -hmm. If you believe, go ahead, read. 15 verse. Mm -hmm. John bear witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake, that he cometh after me is preferred before me, mm -hmm. he was before me. Mm -hmm. And of his fullness have we, have we all received and okay. grace for grace. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I wanted you to read, actually you had already passed, we didn't read it, but I want you to read the 12th verse, okay? Yes. John 1 and 12. Well, actually continue on. See, and you know, and this is the thing that I'm asking Yashua, you know, I'm, I, I find myself talking fast and moving fast. And I've been asking Yashua, just let me be able to take the time to read it and to hear it and to That's share right. it. See, because mm -hmm. it's so important. So if you can just start right back up there, start with the seventh verse, if you will. Okay. That's John 1 and 7. Mm -hmm. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Mm -hmm. Now they actually talking about John, see, mm -hmm. who was the one who came, uh, who Yahweh had given him, he was eating locusts and so forth and declaring, paving, paving the way for Yahshua the Messiah. That's who he's talking about here. But go ahead, read. He was not that light. Now see, John was not that light, read. But was sent to bear witness of that light. Mm -hmm. 
the true light was that which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him mm -hmm. and the world knew him not. Mm -hmm. He came unto his own tribe and his own people received him not. Mm -hmm. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. That is to them that believe on the name of him. Mm -hmm. Now you see that? Now I think that scripture is just so beautiful. He said that as many as received him. So the Messiah, because he's got a particular mission. When Yahweh came on out of pure spirit, manifested as Yahweh Elohim, and then into the flesh as Yahshua Messiah, he's got a purpose and he's got a plan in operation, see? And he's fulfilling that, see, within or in Yahshua the Messiah who is none other than the word that is made flesh. So he's out here fulfilling these things, see? And but he said, but as many as received him, who? Yahshua, not John. See, as many as have received Yahshua Messiah, he gave, gave he them power to become the children of Yahweh. Now there's some power in that. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you're the son of Yahweh, the children of Yahweh, you have his spirit, see? And then he goes on and he says, even to them that believe on his name. You understand? So that name of Yahshua Messiah, that means something. And there is power in that. See, and we must not be hesitant to use that name. Now we have some people in the world don't want to use that name. Even some people right here in these schools. You see what I'm saying? But as many as receive him, gave him power, see, to receive, see, that son. You see what I'm saying? Or to have that power, the son, of being a son of Yahweh, to them that received that name. See, so Yahweh knew exactly what he was doing. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about Yahshua Messiah. And then I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be down. I want you to go over there and get for me uh, when John, when Yahshua Messiah came to, um, who was it? Nicodemus. And I think that's over in um, maybe the third chapter. I'm not really sure. And I don't know where you always going to leave. I think that's John 3. I okay. 11th chapter. 11th chapter. Thank you. Okay. John 11. And give one. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. Is that what you, you know, want? It's so funny. I think it's the third chapter. Yeah. It was so funny because I wanted that scripture. Right, mm -hmm. that was just called. I wanted that scripture. Mm -hmm. I also wanted this one over here with John. But now, since that one was called in uh, uh, the eleventh chapter, there, go ahead and read that. Okay, that's John eleven and one. Mm -hmm. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, mm -hmm. the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Mm -hmm. It was that Mary which anointed Yahshua with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Mm -hmm. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Master, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Yahshua heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, mm -hmm. but for the glory of Yahweh, that the Son of Yahweh might be glorified thereby. Okay, now stop. Now, I always like that, the way that that was phrased, just showing how that Yahweh do things for a purpose. He doesn't do anything that's just haphazard or willy-nilly. See, and the Messiah is walking around. I told you he was the word made flesh. He's the man himself, see, in that fleshly body, see. And I, but he's on the job 
He's on the, on the earth plane, see, for a particular purpose. And we know that Yahshua, his name means salvation. That's a description or a description of what his title was even all about, see, because we know that that's what he came in to do. But it's a working that Yahweh done set up from the very beginning of time because mankind was dead from Adam, see, all the way down. The Messiah is coming in to read, and then John came in, and we were reading over there, John, John came in bearing the dead man, see, in type. See, this is what we're saying, it's in type. But the Messiah comes in now, he's going to resurrect those souls or to establish that man back unto the Father, if you will, see. In other words, he's doing the whole gamut, see. The man is dead, he's buried, Messiah's coming in, he's going to resurrect that man. But it's a particular method in by which he has to do this. So now he's out there when he's on, in the flesh, he's healing all manner of sickness. He's reading man's unexpressed thoughts. See, he's making the deaf to hear and the blind to see. You see what I'm saying? See, he's working the whole show. He's teaching, see, from the mountains and from so forth, see. And now this instance here with Lazarus, see, see, is that Lazarus, see, was he died, see? And so Yahweh is showing this, see? He says that he's doing it for a purpose, see? And so he says, so that they might understand. Now go ahead and finish reading. Mm -hmm. Fifth verse. Mm -hmm. Now Yahshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Mm -hmm. And after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Rabbi, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Yahshua answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he says unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now you see how the Messiah talks? See, in metaphors, he said, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. You see what I'm saying? And I'm going to awake him out of his sleep. And what does his disciples say? <laughs> then said his disciples, Rabbi, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Yahshua spake of his death, but they thought that he'd spoken of him taking rest and sleep. Okay. Then said Yahshua unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. See, then he had to just spell it out clear. Lazarus is dead. See, and if you know, many times the Messiah talked in parables and so forth. He says, but to his sons, he speaks plainly to you. See, Lazarus is dead. D-O-D-D-O-A, or however you want to say. He's dead, see. And now, Yahshua Messiah, see, he's showing you some powers. He's showing you who he is. You see, everything, it was nothing the Messiah did walking on the earth plane that wasn't declared, wasn't to declare who he was. He always, he never was clueless as to who he was. And you have people right now today, they say he did. He didn't know what was happening. He just out here, God sent his little son down and the world killed his son. And so at the point of the time that the son was killed, then God had to devise a new plan. No, it didn't work like that. Yahweh had this thing wrapped up. He said in the very beginning, I am Yahweh, see. I have declared the end right from the beginning. See, it is at no time he was clueless about what was transpiring in his creation. Go ahead, finish reading, please. Mm -hmm. 15th verse. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. 
Nevertheless, let us go unto him. You see how he does things to the intent that you might believe. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we go through things in this life and we've been saying, why do I have to go through that? See, but it was for the intent that you might believe. Right. See, Yahweh is always showing us something that he might bring us. See, we must trust him in everything we do, that he will bring us to the reality of where he wants us to be. That's to understand him in spirit and in truth and to receive his spirit in our hearts and minds. Because when you take off of this flesh, see, this flesh is just left behind, but it is that in you that shall be absorbed or be actually communing with Yahweh. He is, you're only going to be or only is a part of him. See, that will go on eternally so. These are not just, oh, Christian words. See, these are something that we're, oh, I'm in the by and by. We ain't talking about that. See, we're talking about eternal, immortal glorification. See, because we're getting it from the one himself, the true and only Savior that has come and has given us an understanding. And we know that we're of him, as Paul goes on to say. You know, I guess I'm just declaring today because I know I am of Yahweh. That's right. And this whole world life in witness. Mm. If he does not show mercy, and that's why I'm grateful this morning. I will probably cut it short here, but I'm grateful this morning. See, because if Yahweh didn't have mercy, you wouldn't have no mercy. It's an old song to talk about. I'm so glad that Yahweh made the sun. Because if man made the sun, it probably wouldn't shine on me. You see the saying, and I was looking, driving one day, and I'm saying, everywhere I go, this sun is here. Talk about that earthly sun out there. And Yahweh was saying, yeah, that's right, because that is who I am. And everywhere you go, and wherever you go, in whatever shape you're in, the sun is shining on you. That's right. And buying half from it. You see what I'm saying? Now, go ahead and read. I know we're going to, you know, just go ahead, finish up here. John 16 chapter, I'm sorry, 11 and 16 verse, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples. Let us also go that me that we mm -hmm. may die with him. Now you can and drop them down mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. drop to, to the 20th verse if you will. Mm -hmm. 20th mm -hmm. verse. Uh, let me finish, Dr. Lewis. Okay. Dr. Nelson. Then when Yahshua came, he found that he had laid in the grave four days already. Mm -hmm. Now Bethany okay. was not. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Now Bethany was not into Jerusalem about two miles. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Miriam to comfort them concerning their brother. Now you see how she, excuse me, Dr. Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I'm, thinking, I'm glad that you did because these are principles that mm -hmm. Dr. Kinley brought out to us. So he mm -hmm. says that Lazarus had been dead in the grave for four days already. Mm -hmm. Now we know that, you know, numerology is no value in zeros. The Messiah, see mankind, this was a principle just showing, see that mankind had been dead for 4,000 years yeah. before the Messiah come in on the, sign, on the scene. You see what I'm saying? So everything the Messiah was doing, see four zeros don't have no value. Lazarus been dead for four days already. And then the Messiah comes on the scene to resurrect him. That's showing forth how mankind have been dead for 4,000 years. Messiah's got to come onto the scene to resurrect him. You see that? I mean, it might be considered like little small things, but they're esoteric and pearls to those who understand. But go ahead, finish reading. 21st. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Yahshua was coming, went and met him. But Miriam sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Yahshua, 
Rabbi, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of Yahweh, he will give it thee. Yahshua said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yahshua said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now stop. Now you see that? Now Martha's saying, now I know he's going to rise again. Mm -hmm. Messiah said, he'll rise. Your brother will rise again. And she's like, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yahshua Messiah has declared to declare to her, say, I am the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have no resurrection without the Messiah. That's right. That sun out there in that sky, you see what I'm saying? That's just the type. That's the S-O-N-C. Too hot to handle. You see what I'm saying? It's at the exact distance from the earth to keep the earth from being burned up. You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But without it, there is no life. That sun is just a type of that ethereal sun is just a type of the true S-O-N, not the S-U-N that's in the sky, but the S-O-N, the true son of Yahshua Messiah, way too hot to handle, see? See, knows exactly how to give you life. He is that that causes everything to have life and to resurrect. You see what I'm saying? Them little green plants that comes up out of the ground. You know, the wintertime over here in Michigan is now you know, it's beginning to come, you know, fall and pretty soon the winter will be here and so forth and so on. And so in the place where I work at, they come in and they have a groundskeeper to come out there and plant flowers every year and dig them up afterwards. Well, they cut down at this time of the year, see when it starts getting cooler, all of the plants, see, they come up every single year, the perennials, see, they come in with the little electric thing and they just cut them down, just mow them down right to the dirt. You see what I'm saying? And now, and they're gone and you don't see them no more. I mean, right to the dirt there. Don't leave no little buzz or anything. But now let us have some nice summer days, some sun, sunny summer weather, see? Even during this fall, almost winter time, see, let it start getting sunshine out there. The rain coming, the sunshine, those same ones that they mow down, they start creeping on back up out of the earth. <laughs> see, because through that earth, through that sun, you have that resurrection. And I'm going, walking into the front door one day and I'm like, Yahshua, you are so amazing. You are so beautiful, see, because he's dictating what will be. You see what I'm saying? He is the resurrection, as he goes on to say, and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he is, yet he will live. Now, see, every last one of us, we inherited that death from Adam, see, from the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were told not to touch of the fruit of the tree that was in the midst of the garden, lest they die, see. Well, mankind is so confused about that because they look and say, well, Adam lived to be 930 years, but Adam instantaneously died in his conscience and in his spirit and in his soul, see. He died at that point in time. He was a dead man, see. Even though he gone and lived physically for 930 years. But the death that he partook of at that time was a spiritual, psychological death. Or his soul died back there, if you will. You see what I'm saying? See, but then Yahshua Messiah, he's coming in. So he said, you believe in me, though you were dead, yet you will live. Do you see how important it is to believe in Yahshua Messiah? Because we inherited that death state. 
We did that. We That death passed upon all men. I want you to get that for me over there in the scriptures, over in Romans, if you will. See, because mm -hmm. it didn't just stay back there. It passed upon all men for that all men had, de had died, mm -hmm. as it goes on to say, if somebody can mm -hmm. read it. At Romans 5 and 12. Mm -hmm. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You see that? For, death mm -hmm. passed upon all men for that mm -hmm. all have sinned. Was there more of that? Uh, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Okay. And then she talked about previous speakers spoke a little bit about that first law and that New Testament, Old mm -hmm. Testament thing there. But I want you to go back into John again, if you can finish. Yes, that's John 11 and 26. Mm -hmm. And whoso liveth and believeth in me shall not die. Mm -hmm. Shall never die. Believest thou this? Mm -hmm. She saith unto him, yea, I believe that thou art the Messiah, the son of Yahweh which should come into the world. And when she had said so said, she went her way and called Miriam, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now, Yahshua was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Miriam, that she rose hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep. Then when Miriam came where Yahshua where was and saw him, she fell down at her feet, saying, Master, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Mm -hmm. When Yahshua therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Now, but Miriam said, if you had been here, see, mm -hmm. my brother would not have died. See, she doesn't realize that he's purposing all of it. Mm -hmm. See, she doesn't understand that. So he purposed that he would die. He wanted him to remember so that he might show the glory of Yahweh. So then he, she goes on and says that when she saw with the scripture, read the 33rd verse again, please. Mm -hmm. And when Yahshua therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, where have ye laid him? They say unto him, Rabbi, come and see. Yahshua wept. Mm -hmm. Now they say Yahshua wept is the shortest verse in the Bible. That's what they say. And they say, oh, Yahshua loved John so much, see, because he wept for him being dead. He had purposed that. Okay. See, he, what he was weeping for, see, is that first he's fulfilling the scriptures. And then secondly, He's just knowing that they, it's just, they're not believing him. Mm -hmm. See, they don't believe what it is that he's saying. They don't believe who he is. You see, but go ahead, read. Mm -hmm. 36 verse. Yeah. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Yahshua, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Yahshua said, take ye away the stone, Martha. Excuse me, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Rabbi, why are they lifting away the stone? By this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Okay, and there's that four, dead, four days dead principle again. You see that? Read. Yahshua saith unto her, 
Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe that thou shouldest see the glory of Yahweh? Mm -hmm. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Yahshua lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. Now you see that? Mm -hmm. Now I don't know how anybody else take that, but I take it that. Yahshua mm -hmm. Messiah himself, the man himself, he's given the honor and the praise and the glory to the higher source of himself or his father. See, mm -hmm. he recognized who he was. He never took the glory for himself. He always gave it to the father. You see what I'm saying? He always knew. You see what I'm saying? He understood that. He's in the sonship degree of the state mm -hmm. see, of existence. See? But he's given it. He's given praises to the father. I thank you, father, mm -hmm. that you have done all things. You see what I'm saying? Go ahead, read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Mm -hmm. And when he has, has thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now you see that? Now I'm just going back. I wanted that read. I know it's a mm -hmm. lot of reading, but sometimes it's just so good to read it. Yes. See, and the previous speaker was talking about reading that over there with Moses, see, and just going into the detail with it, see. But see, he said over here, he cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. Just like when Yahweh told Moses, see, or showing him, put off your shoes and so forth. And Moses has to turn aside and see this great sight. And when Yahweh saw that he did that, then he called unto him. Well, likewise, likewise, Yahweh is saying, he just tell, tell, he has to call the man to say, down here with Yahshua Messiah, has to call him and has to call him by name. Just as back over there with Moses, he didn't say just man, he said Moses, Moses. You see what I'm saying? Calling him by name. This is a principle for you to understand something for all of us to see. See that Yahweh will call you by name. He couldn't say, he couldn't be out there with Lazarus and said, dead, rise. Because as we've been told, see, all, the, all that was dead in the earth were the risen. Right. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. And if he's calling you to come forth, you're going to have to come forth. So you're going to have to rise. You see what I'm saying? So he said, Lazarus, come forth. And it mm -hmm. says that that man came bound with his dead clothes and so forth. You see what I'm saying? See, so that they might believe in those people. But now look, this is what we can't forget. Lazarus had to go back to the grave. That's right. See, this is a type of the true resurrection. See, Messiah, when he calls you by name and say, come forth or brings you forth, resurrects you, elevates you in your heart and mind through by the eternal immortal spirit. See, that he gives to you because that was his purpose for coming into the earth, see? And I know I'm not calling a lot of scriptures. I need to call the scriptures. My man, mind feel blank with the scriptures for some reason, see, today. See, but Yahshua Messiah, he's that life. He's that resurrection. When he calls you forth, see, see, and pour out that spirit, see, which he had to do. He came in to die the death of an outcast dog. You see, he had to go out there, see, die on Golgotha, see, and he had to resurrect or he had to be buried in the earth, see, and then he had to resurrect on that third day. And then he talked about to his disciples, he says that he would return unto them. And when he did, see, he told them, see, that his death, his burial, his resurrection, see, he was that once he says, I will send you another comforter. 
See, now that was the man himself, see, who was walking, see, at the time he's a resurrected spirit, see. And he said, another comforter will come unto you, another one, see, because he's going to pour out that spirit as he did on the day of Pentecost, see. Now, all of them had to believe what it was that the Messiah was preaching and what he was saying. And I see the five minute bell, I'm sorry. But now what he wanted, when I was going to go over there to, uh, and maybe somebody else will pick it up and maybe it'll just be another time. See, but Yahshua had me reading over there with the, uh, um, what was it? The first, uh, the Nicodemus, see, and how he told Nicodemus that he must be born again. You see what I'm saying? See, that's where we're all at at this particular time, see. We must be born again. And to be born from a physical standpoint, there's some blood, water, and there's some spirit, see. To be born from that physical standpoint, see, we must also undergo that self-same principle, see. You know, of death, burial, resurrection, blood, water, and spirit, see. And Yahshua Messiah will pour out his spirit unto us. And once you are born of the spirit of Yahshua Messiah, you shall never die. See, you will never see death. Do you understand? You will never see it. See, we have this thing going on now, this pandemic, and everybody is fearful of this pandemic, rightfully so. See, but we must understand that Yahweh has caused it to be. Did he not cause the plagues back there in Egypt? Mm -hmm. People forget that Yahweh, he sends plagues. He can send them too. See, but as he did back there in Egypt, see, he caused those plagues, but he also provided a way out. See, so now a lot of people want to say, well, I just don't believe there's no way out other than just whatever. See, but Yahshua, see, he caused them, the mankind to come up with a vaccine. See, now he can take us any way that he wants to take us, but he calls man to come up with the vaccine. And just like with this gospel, see, he says, I provided the way, but you won't even do it. You see what I'm saying? Don't want to take it because you feel like that if you take it, maybe you don't have faith. Look, Yahweh causes it and Yahweh cures it. He's doing all of it. Don't have the faith in the vaccine. Have the faith in what Yahweh's provided for you to do and that he's the one that will cause you not to get the disease or will cause you to get the disease or allow it to be. All I'm saying is that we must have faith and confidence in Yahweh no matter what. Don't look at the problem, look at the solution. Yahshua Messiah is the solution. He's the one that will give us the foundation, give us the strength, heal our bodies, keep our bodies, see, uh, protect us as we go through this life. See, but he has a purpose and he has a plan. He is here to hear what our prayer and to believe and for us he's here to give us that hope see we've always got hope i had a neighbor who recently was uh, contacted that disease and he said to me there is no hope see and it was crushing to hear that because i've never felt there was no hope but there are people in this world that feels no hope yashua is our only hope of glory and when we come to understand him, see, as he really is and as he actually exists, see, we got all power in us. Do you understand? Because you have Yahshua in you. Stand firm, my brethren. See, and sisters, in this teaching, this is all we got. We're all we got. And Yahshua Messiah is with us, see, to take us right on through to the end of this age and beyond.
And I want to thank you for an opportunity to have anything to say. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Dr. Nelson. Thank you for that beautiful testimony. That brings the conclusion, <clears throat> excuse me, to our lecture this morning. We'd like to thank all of our speakers uh, for speaking today and all of our brethren and visitors for visiting with us today. We hold classes on Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. And on Sundays on Zoom from 11.30 until 1.30. At this time, we will have an announcement by the secretary, Dr. Shirley Nelson. Dr. Nelson. Yes, sorry. Uh, yes, uh, just a reminder that our next Sunday, we will have an in-house session again at uh, the Beachwood um, Recreation Center in Southfield. And class will start at 11 o'clock from 11 to one. Uh, our Zoom classes will be, of course, on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, but then the following Sunday, next Sunday, which is the 6th of, uh, what is this, November, then we will also have, we will have our in-person class in Southfield at the Beachwood Center. Thanks. Actually, November the 7th. What did I say? 6th. Oh, okay, November 7th. All right, mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Nelson. <clears throat> and just a reminder, we will be streaming from the in-person class. For, so for anyone that cannot attend in-person, we will be holding Zoom online during the in-person class. Just a reminder, when we do do in-person class, like Dr. Nelson stated, class will be from 11 a.m. to 7, excuse me, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. All right, if everyone can rise in their heart and mind for doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim Yahweh through our savior, Yahshua the Messiah, belong glory, majesty, dominion, and power both before all time, now, and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.